Hello. Thanks for tuning in to the Saturday Night Supper Club podcast. This week, we're hearing from David Claudfelder sharing a message titled, The Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In his message, David talks a lot about how the Holy Spirit thrives in relationships. When a few people are gathered, there's a lot of opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do amazing things if we come to it with that expectation and no judgment for each other. David also shares a lot of fun anecdotes of ways that he has been surprised by the Holy Spirit. When we step out and feel like we're supposed to give a prophetic word to someone or just be there for someone and comfort them in their time of need, God always shows up. Enjoy. So real quick, I want to read 2 Corinthians 13, 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them. That's kind of what we're going to be focusing on. Um, this particular passage, just a little info, is called a benediction. Paul, It's right at the end of Paul's epistle to uh, Corinthians. And this is just a way to just end and wish, like, wish a blessing upon a group of people. It's just what they do back then. And in this particular one, it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, last time I spoke, uh, my whole spiel was, you know, taking this big theological doctrine or concept and trying to bring it down to a, to like a reachable level where we can apply it to our everyday lives, right? So I was like, okay, so I did the Imago Day last time, and I think that went okay. I went better than I thought it would, and I had kind of low expectations, so it doesn't really count. Um, (laughs) Um, so I was thinking this week, I was like, all right, what could I do that sounds cool? And I read this, and this is, um, this particular passage is one of the few actual biblical verses that help, um, give, like, the cornerstone or foundation to, um, the doctrine of the Trinity, Trinitarian Christianity. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, maybe I could do the Trinity, you know? And as I get into it, I'm like, wait a second, I think I might be biting off more than I can chew, (laughs) I mean, you have scholars and theologians and pastors who for hundreds and hundreds of years still haven't completely came to a consensus of what exactly the Trinity is, and, you know, it's a hotbed topic of, you know, you know, if you're a heretic, if you believe if persons means like actual indivi- individual people, or if it's like a, an aspect of the Trinity, all this ridiculous stuff. So I decided, you know what, let's not dig myself in a theological hole that I can never come out of, and so I was like, we'll save that for... Uh, like seminary or something, I don't know. So instead, I thought I would just stick to that one last portion of the verse, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Um, A couple weeks ago, we had the pleasure of having Brian Fenimore speak, and Brian, he's, was one of my favorite speakers I've ever heard, like ever, you know, since I've been going to church, because he has this really awesome way of just He'll be given a message, you know, a couple weeks ago is about like the harvest and the spirit of peace, you know, going in and all this stuff. And then he'll just sprinkle in nonchalantly like it's no big deal. Oh, by the way, you in the back, God says this to you. You know, let's pray about that. Or, hey, you over there, God says he wants to bless you in this area of ministry. He's never met these people before. So he's just thrown out prophetic words like it's no big deal. And then his prayers are like five seconds because it's no big deal. You know, it's just that's just a part of who he is and a part of the community that he has found himself in. And um, I just love that because that is how I see um, God working. I'm not trying to dismiss like the whole, you know, flailing around and, you know, getting a little drunk in the spirit. I'm not trying to dismiss any of that, but that's not my cup of tea. Mine is just like, hey, you want to hear something cool? God has this for you. And I want to pray that for you. And then seeing people like 
how did you know that? That's insane. So um, I wanted to figure out how we can kind of incorporate that into Supper Club on a regular basis, you know, just not necessarily like at that level, but, you know, start coming closer to that. Like Carla said, um, mom's vision for Supper Club has always been to be a community where we see actual change and transformation. And one of my favorite ways of doing that and why I've bought into it is that we're praying for people before the before the service. I mean, you can go to The Rock or any other church and they'll have like, if anyone has a prayer request, raise their hand and then it'll just be like, a, all right, pray for your neighbor or write it down on a piece of paper and we'll get to it in the middle of the week kind of a thing, which is not bad. But we have a unique situation here where we have the opportunity to pray for people right then and there, to be able to give people those prophetic words or be able to uh, pray for healing right then and there and see real transformation happen um, right here and right now. So I was thinking maybe the fellowship of the Holy Spirit can help kind of usher us into that direction for, for the supper club. Um, and so I decided, hey, let's just do what I've been taught to do in Bible school and let's just break it down. Let's just do a little Bible study. So I'm going to be kind of teaching a little bit. Hopefully it won't get too boring. Um, but, you know, I'm up here, you're down there, deal with it. This is what's <laughs> going on. <laughs> All right. So the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Um, first things first, we have a couple questions to answer. Um, what exactly is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and how do we even participate in that? Um, it's a very kind of fancy, vague sort of thing, so um, let's just break it down. Uh, I know that y'all are seasoned, church-going, Bible-believing veterans, so um, what I'm going to say next probably isn't going to be super like crazy or anything, but I thought we could just level the playing field uh, get on the same page and just like, who's the Holy Spirit? You know, the third person of the Trinity, right? And so I thought I would just shotgun some verses real quick. So what does the Bible actually say the Holy Spirit is? And so I just have, I just grabbed some random ones and I have uh, Luke twenty four forty nine. He um, is, a, is a promise from the Father. Uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 38 describes the Holy Spirit as a gift, a gift for mankind. Um, John fourteen twenty six. Um, which is a pretty common one. Uh, he is our advocate or our comforter or our helper sent from God, um, as well as a teacher and a reminder of Jesus and his teachings. Um, Romans 8.26, he is a helper in our weaknesses as well as an intercessor on our behalf. Uh, Galatians 5.22-23, um, he is a bearer of his fruit, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I wrote that down. I did not memorize that because I never can. <laughs> um, and so he bears in us his fruit. He changes us from the inside out. Um, John chapter 3, verse 6 through 8, he is the one in whom we are made anew. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then we become a new creation through him. Um, and then one of my personal favorites, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, describes the Holy Spirit as a pledge of our inheritance towards salvation, and in other translations describes it as like a down payment or a first installment. You know, he's just the first to come in this great inheritance that God has for each and every one of us. Um, so it's just basic, you know, kind of who the Holy Spirit is, Holy Spirit 101. Um, but let's look at our verse real quick, because I believe this word fellowship has an intrinsic connection to who the Holy Spirit is. There's a, there's a relationship there that um, that we should explore. And so I decided, you know what, let's look up what 
the Greek is because I took Greek and I feel like I need to make it relevant to my everyday life now because I <laughs> took the class for a year, so we're going to do it. So the Greek word for fellowship in this particular verse is koinonia. Um, and the New American Standard lexicon, Greek lexicon, um, defines koinonia as fellowship, contribution, joint participation, sharing, communion, and community. Now, one thing that these all have in common, all these definitions, uh, a theme, if you will, is um, they all require some kind of relationship. Um, so, for example, uh, oftentimes, a few times um, throughout, like, the Gospels, it's koinonia is used and translated as a sharer. There, there's sharing. And when you have a sharer, you have to have someone who has something and then someone to receive what is being shared. So there's a relationship. Um, it takes more than one people, uh, w more than one person. And so, A, the Holy Spirit is himself, as we saw in Acts, a gift from God. But not only that, but he also shares with us his spirit and his gifts. Um, he, is a, he imparts gifts to us. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This kind of relates to what I was talking about, I don't know, it was like a month ago, last time I spoke, how we each have our own strengths and gifts from God. And a lot of that manifests through those, those uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know more, just continue reading through chapter 12, and it just lists them off. Um, but the important thing is they're all from the same Spirit. They're all from the Holy Spirit. He gives us these gifts. Um, but at the same time, uh, the Holy Spirit is also a partner. You know, he's a giver as well as a partner. Um, several times in the, in a lot of the epistles, koinonia is described as, a, or translated as, um, partners or partnership or s something along that lines. And just like in sharing, in order to be a partner, there has to be at least two people joining together for a common good or for some kind of purpose. They partner together. And so the Holy Spirit is also our partner. Um, uh, John 14, 26, which we looked at a second ago, he's the advocate, comforter, helper sent from God. And I looked up what an advocate was to see, I don't know, maybe, maybe I can figure something out this way. And the, an advocate, just paraphrasing, is just like a judicial term. It's kind of like a lawyer, someone who pleads on someone else's behalf. And if uh, any of you have been stuck on jury duty, sometimes it takes a while, you know? It's not like a one-time deal where it's like, oh yeah, he's cool, I'm out, you know, I'm done advocating. It's an ongoing process. He continuous, continuously helps us um, and comforts us and advocates on our behalf. Um, back to Galatians again, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, joy, peace, patience, especially patience, I find out, it doesn't just manifest itself magically overnight. It takes time to grow, just like fruit. That's why they use the analogy of fruit. Um, but likewise, in order for the fruit to even grow, uh, you, have to, you have to be led by the Spirit. The Ephesians talks about, or Galatians talks about how you must be led by the Spirit so that these things can grow in you, these, these, uh, this fruit. Um, the Holy Spirit, he's a living person, living person who wants an intimate relationship with you, and he wants to partner with you partner with us to be able to advance his kingdom, to spread his, his gospel, right? Um, 
the thing about relationships, though, are they're a two-way street. So as a partner, you have one person, you can't have one person doing all the work. You know, if you're at school in a group project, it's all supposed to be partners, but how many times does it come to where it's like, oh, I've done all the work and they've just kind of been riding my coattails this whole time. That's not a real partnership. So um, there is, it, this partnership, this relationship is a two-way street. Not only does it require the Holy Spirit to come and give us things and to guide us, but it requires us to follow, right? Um, and since it's kind of a boring teaching, I thought I would liven it up with some stories of my experiences with the Holy Spirit. Um, one thing I've learned is that usually two things happen when you actually say yes to the Holy Spirit to go out and actually do something that you feel Spirit-led. Is either um, things turn out the way you hope it doesn't or think it doesn't, and then it turns out the way you wouldn't expect. So the same thing. It never turns out the way you think it is, the th way you think it will. Um, even if you expect it to go one way and it might seem that way, it usually ends up being completely different than what you would ever imagine. Uh, when I was 20, I went to, um, I, I was a part of a program called a Discipleship Training School, which is through YWAM. If you guys know what YWAM is, Youth with a Mission, they have bases all over the world and over 150 different countries or whatnot, and their whole thing is to go out and have youth spread the gospel to the unreached nations. And they do this through discipleship training schools. Um, I decided, hey, if I want to do this, I want to go somewhere really cool, somewhere that will challenge me uh, personally and culturally, so I decided to go to Japan. And so I spent five months of uh, my summer um, when I was 20 in Tokyo, Japan. And I learned so much. We were a small group. I think, including staff members, it was like 12 or 13 people. It was not a very large group, but it was, it was life-changing. And I remember one particular day, we were out, I think it was a Saturday, um, which is one of the few times we can usually actually go and practice what we're learning through the week. Um, we decided to go out and just like pray for people, go out to the very few but beautiful parks that Tokyo has to offer. And on our way back to the train station, um, I had kind of a, not a lousy day, but I didn't really, like, experience anything. I didn't see any cool, like, miraculous things happen. Um, but on the way back to the train station, we were going down the, the uh, sidewalk on the street, and there was a, a homeless man, a Japanese homeless man with a sign that I couldn't read because I don't speak Japanese or read Japanese. Um, but I still felt really, I, I, I felt a strong urge to go and pray for this person. One thing that was noticeable is he had no leg. Like, I think it was his left leg was cut or just removed somehow from the knee down. Um, so, like, young 20-year-old me is all hyped up on Jesus. Like, I'm going to go pray for that guy and have his leg grow back. And it's going to be this amazing testimony, right? And so I, I tell my, uh, my, the leader, I was like, hey, hold on a second. I, I really feel like I need to go back and, and pray for this guy for whatever reason. And so I went back with a friend of mine. His name was Chris. He, uh... He was one of the few actual people who could speak Japanese. He learned Japanese over like nine years. He used to live and currently is still living in Japan. And so he came as like my translator so that the guy knew what I was saying. And so I was praying for him. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, all right, I'm going to start praying for his, for his leg. I'm going to start praying for his leg. I never actually end up praying for his leg for whatever reason. I just pray for him and for his well-being and for his peace in his situation because apparently he had lost his leg and it 
and because of that, he lost his job and was no longer able to provide for his family and was out on the streets begging for money because that was the only way he could provide for his family. And the thing about Japan um, is that they don't really like the homeless. They're very clean culture in that everything has to be like nice and nice and tidy, very shiny. And when you have homeless people on your streets, it's not very shiny, it's not very tidy. And so the homeless people are looked down upon really bad, which they are here sometimes, but at least in America we have programs and ministries that reach out to homeless people and try to bring them out of that. As far as I know, there's nothing, anything close like that in Japan. If, if you're homeless, you're kind of screwed, right? And so I was praying for him, and when I was done, I was just like, that's all I got. Guess what? Craziest thing happened. His leg didn't grow back. <laughs> Nothing happened, right? And, but for some reason, I was like, you know, I, I feel like that's okay. And then when I went back to talk to my leader about it, he was like, two things happened while I was watching you pray. One, you had the biggest smile on your face, meaning I was flourishing just by praying for this person because I was reaching out and helping him in the way that he needed the most, apparently. And it wasn't that he needed a new leg. It was that he just needed someone to love him. Um, and two, as I was praying, there were Japanese people that would walk by and stop and watch me, wondering what in the world is going on. And he was saying like 20 people would walk by, stop, look back, and be like, what is this dude doing, you know? And so me praying for this person and, and wasn't me trying to like force some kind of miracle to happen. It was the Holy Spirit not only ministering to me, but ministering to the people walking by saying, it's okay to help these people, to pray for these people, to love on these people that you see as, as worthless, you know? Um, and so that, so me praying and for this person never, uh, never even went in a direction I even thought would happen. The other time, uh, the other time I, uh, the other story I want to say is, it was also YWAM, but it was a YWAM here while I was part of uh, the Rock School of Ministry. It was like an internship program. Sarah knows this story because she was there, and I've told a lot of people this story, but I kind of want to just tell it now while I'm all mic'd up so it's on record. Because um, it's my favorite, it's, it, to this day, it's my favorite story of the Holy Spirit just being crazy and whatnot. And again, this is, things didn't turn out exactly like I thought they would. Th they turned out in a way that I was hoping, but was very, I was very scared when it happened. I was nervous. It was like, nah, this won't happen. And it ended up you know, like exceeding my expectations to a point where I was like, this, you've got to be kidding me. And so um, for if some of you know, uh, JR, uh, he likes to go to the YWAM base down in Denver, and he teaches the Holy Spirit Week at, at the base. And this base, by the way, is way bigger than my DTS was. It's like, it's got like three or four different actual like groups of people doing different DTSs. Um, each one's like average 40 to 50 people. Mine was like nine. So it was weird right then. But because I'm part of this internship program at, at the church, um, he's like, all right, I'm going to bring my prophetic team because he also speaks about the prophetic stuff, which apparently meant all the students at RSM. And so like I remember Sarah and I and Alyssa and Chris and Daniel were like, wait a second, we're your prophetic team? We don't even know what this is. You know, we're just as much learning as, as the other students are. And he's like, ah, come on with me. So we got in the van, went down there. We're like in the side pretending we're important, like we knew what we were doing when in fact we're just like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, 
this is all new to me. Um, what in the world? And so they're getting ready to break for lunch, and JR, like, you know what? I've been talking about this, all this stuff all day, so let's go ahead and just practice it. We don't have a lot of time, so we'll do popcorn prophetic ministry, which is he brings us, all the interns up, and then as we get a word, we just start telling people, you know? And so, so we're all lined up here. It's like myself, JR, uh, JD Small, the, he was the director of RSM at the time, and then myself, Sarah, Daniel, Chris, Alyssa, all these people, all these uh, RSM students were up there just like, okay, I guess we'll do this. Um, and so I was like over by the side, and I'm sitting there, I was like, oh, God, I don't, I don't know what to do right now. I don't have anything. I don't even know if this works or not. Like, what? <laughs> this is so weird. And so I was like, you know what? There's a dude in the back who seems like he's having a crappy day, and I'm kind of having a crappy day, so I relate. So let me give, let me give him a, a message, right? Uh, give me some kind of word. First thing, pop in my head, that'll be what it is. That's what I'm doing. God, deal with it. And so I'm sitting there thinking like, all right, what am I thinking of? What am I thinking of? And I get this weird picture of the lamppost from Narnia. If you all know Narnia, you've got the woods, you've got the lamppost. I'm sitting there, I was like, okay, kind of weird, but whatever. And so I was like, I'm gonna, if, if, it's, if it's God, it'll keep coming back to me. Or if it's me just thinking it's weird, it'll still come back to me, whatever, I'm just going to go with it. One thing that J.R. always said was that, you know, exercising your gifts in the Holy Spirit is like a muscle. So if you're prophetic, you just kind of have to, to work it out. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and that's totally okay. Same with if you have a gift of, you know, child care or compassion or um, words of wisdom or anything like that. You just have to just work in it for it to actually start to become a thing that's part of your life. And so I'm like, all right, I'll go ahead and, and uh, I'll give it a shot, because it kept coming back to me, and it had like two minutes left. I hadn't said anything to anybody. Everyone else is like, oh, I see this in your life, and everyone's crying and stuff. Not really, but um, that's what it felt like in the corner. Um, so I was like, all right, I got one for you. I got this picture of, you know, this lamppost from Narnia, and as I'm saying it, I'm starting to kind of explain, you know, it's like the lamppost doesn't really fit where it is, but because it's so different than its surrounding, it's used as like a, a monument, as a, as a point of um, location on a map. People know exactly where they are because they're at the lamppost of Narnia. So, you know, like I was just trying to be encouraging Half of it felt like I was just kind of BSing a lot of it, but I was like, you know what? I'm going for it. Who cares? And I told him this. I was like, I don't know if this, this is so specific and it's so weird, but if, if it works, it's great. If not, then, oh, well, you know, that's what JR said, go for it. So that's what I'm doing. So I gave him, and he's in back. He's like, thanks, man. You know, and then we continue on, and everyone gets dismissed for lunch, and I'm packing up my bags. just like, oh, man, whatever. That was so weird and uncomfortable. And... He comes up to me. Sarah was behind me and, and heard this, so she can verify this. Uh, he comes up to me and goes, uh, he goes, hey, thanks, man, uh, for that word. That really meant a lot for me. God normally talks to me in dreams. And last night, I had um, a dream of the lamppost from Narnia, and I had no idea what it meant, and it's been bugging me all day. I'm sitting there, I was like, wait a second. Are you kidding me right now? That is insane, right? And so that, like, the Holy Spirit can do some amazing stuff if you just partner with him and just, just go for it, right? Um, so I just wanted to get that on record because I don't want to ever forget that moment because it was awesome for me, right? All right, so back to my papers. I have no idea. It's, Sarah's there. She's like, oh, yeah, get some. Like, or I don't know what her comment was, but 
Um, so yeah, so he wants to partner with you, but it's a two-way street. You have to be willing to be led by him, even if it's in the weirdest places um, or in places you don't even expect to go. The Holy Spirit is active in working with his partners. Um, he's working with people like Brian, with Carla, with Bob, with Mom. And it, he works through all of us because we all have gifts, right? He's not some distant deity that just gives us our gifts or our tools and then just kind of sits back, fingers crossed, hoping we don't screw up, right? You know, he's not like that. He's actively participating with us and through us and alongside us to, to create something that is worthy of him, right? And that kind of that kind of leads us on that last portion of the word we've been studying, koinonia, um, which is community. In fact, my Bible, I kind of I kind of free translated my Bible at the beginning. My Bible actually has the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Most translations translate it fellowship, but this communion, this community also falls along with our relationship theme. A community is nothing but just a bunch of relationships together, just relating with each other. Um, and that brings us to Supper Club. We are a community of believers. We are a community um, who believe in the Holy Spirit. At least if you don't, then you're gonna, as you're here, because you're gonna see the Holy Spirit move, I'm gonna hang on to that. Um, but real quick, I wanna read... Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is one of the only other places that this phrase, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, shows up. And in it, it says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, or fellowship in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Now, all this stuff, um, the the be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord. He's talking to the church in Philippi. He's talking to a community of believers. The benediction, the verse we've been looking at this whole time, was a benediction to the church of Corinth, um, the community that is in um, Corinth. So whenever Paul is, for the most part, most of Paul's epistles are talking to people, not a person, not individuals, but to people as, as a congregation, as a community. And funny enough, the, I've noticed in my own experience that the Holy Spirit seems to really thrive in community. How many of you have been to like retreats or conferences and you get, you see some amazing things happen, um, just the Holy Spirit work in amazing ways, and you're like, what in the world's going on? And then when you get home, that like post-retreat high just sort of diminishes, you know? And it's because we have removed ourselves from a situation where the Holy Spirit is being multiplied because of the believers that are in that community, right? We are removing ourselves from that community that, that are all sharing in that same mind, that same accord of seeing the Holy Spirit move. And I've seen this multiple times as a, a youth leader, whenever we would go to youth retreats, we'd see some of the craziest things happen. Um, I remember one particular uh, retreat we went to it was like summer camp or something. Um, it was like the third day. The preacher came up was like, "All right, we're going to experience the Holy Spirit now." But I don't want to do it. I want to show that the Holy Spirit can move through all you students. And so we had all the students start praying for each other. And I think there were three like actual major healings that I remember. One was she had a condition where she was constantly dizzy and had to take uh, medication. And I know this because she went with 
to Belize on a mission trip that I was a part of, and I had to carry her through the Dallas airport, I think it was, because that dizziness hit her, and I would put her on my back. I was like, well, we've got to make our plane, so just get on, let's go. So I knew it was a real condition, and um, from what I know, her testimony is that she's been healed from that completely. Um, I know another guy who had allergies, um, and he's sitting there like, normally I can't eat potato chips, but here I am eating potato chips because I can eat this stuff now because I've been healed of an allergy. As far as I know, it's still, he's still healed of it. So, and then one particular, I prayed for a kid who had like something bad with his knees. I don't know. He wasn't very specific. He was just like, oh no, my knees are bad. Can you pray for me? I was like, okay. And I prayed. Um, and then years later, four or five years later, he comes up to me after he left the youth group because he like went to college or something. He comes up to me, he's like, hey, you might not remember me, but at a youth camp, you prayed for me and for my knees. And I haven't had a problem with my knees for years. I'm sitting there, I'm like, what in the world is going on, you know? So this stuff really happens, and it happens because we're in a community of other people who believe the same thing. Um, and so this vision of Supper Club being a place of transformation is really dependent on us together, each and every one of us. It's not just mom. It's not just Carla. It's not just Brian. It's all of us working through the gifts that God has given us. And this community is so perfect because not only do we pray for each other, but we also eat and break bread afterwards. So there's no excuse for us to be like, all right, good message, I'm out, right? I mean, you could do that, but you're going to miss delicious food. Um, and which is just, that's an icebreaker in of itself of learning what people need. You know, sometimes people are shy and they're like, well, I do have a prayer request, but it's really personal. I didn't want to speak um, to the whole congregation about it, but you know, you seem like a nice guy, I'll, I'll tell you. And then boom, there's a connection there. There's a, an opportunity for you to start working through the Holy Spirit and helping this person. And, and in other ways as well, um, we, we weren't meant to do this alone. I mean, when God created Adam, he created Eve as a partner. Uh, Moses had Aaron, reluctantly, but Moses had Aaron. Uh, David had Jonathan. Jesus had his disciples. Um, when the 72 were sent, they were sent out in pairs, as well as the apostles always went and ministered in pairs. We're not supposed to do this alone. Um, we're supposed to do this together as a community. And my last verse that I would like to, uh, to finally end with is actually 1 Corinthians 3.16. Um, and it says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That word you is actually plural. Again, Paul is speaking to the people of Corinth. He's speaking to the community of believers that we all are the temple of God. The, the spirit dwells in, in us as a body of Christ. We are all one body. We are all together. And so the Holy Spirit dwells when we're together. And so um, just to end, if we want this vision to come to fruition, then we all have to do our part. And so that's my challenge to you is to go ahead, partner up with the Holy Spirit, um, do it in a community like this where we're helping each other out. I mean, you, you might feel like you have a prophetic gift, um, but you're just so scared to, to exercise that. This is the perfect opportunity to do it because no one's going to judge you. Um, if you feel like you are supposed to pray for healing over people, then go ahead and do it here. We're not going to, you know, if nothing happens, we're not be like, well, that apparently isn't your gift. No, it's none of that stuff. No, it's, we are in this together. We are all part of the same body of Christ. We all have our own strengths and weaknesses, and um, we all make up for each other. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for this, uh, for this evening. Um, thank you for this food, this wonderful pot roast that we're going to take a part of, and I just ask that, Holy Spirit, you be, you be with us 
and you work through us even today as we eat and as we go off into um, the rest of our lives. So in your name we pray. Amen. As always, thank you so much for listening to the SNSC podcast. Here at Supper Club, we care so much about community. If you're ever in the Castle Rock, Colorado area, I invite you to stop by. We have awesome worship, an amazing message every week from one of these speakers, and we always serve a free meal. For more information, go to SaturdayNightSupperClub.org. Have a great week.